Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Yeah, good evening and welcome to the Big Red Bench. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you with all the sport until 7pm this evening. Busy, busy show tonight, lots going on. We're going to be talking about Cork City and reflecting on Cork City's draw, nil all draw up in Bray last night at the Carlisle Grounds, picking up a point on the road. We'll hear from City boss Colin Healy and also from Cork City's Gordon Walker between now and 7. We're going to preview Cove Ramblers as well. They're in action tonight against John Caulfield's Galway team. We'll hear from Stuart Ashton ahead of that big game down in St. Coleman's Park. We're also going to talk to Ronnie Whelan looking ahead to a busy weekend in the Premier League including that big game between Manchester United and Liverpool tomorrow and we're talking boxing with Katie Taylor in action later on. A big, big fight for Katie Taylor. We look ahead to that as well. Plus we talk rugby on Champions Cup semi-final weekends. All that, plenty more to come between now and seven here on the Big Red Bench. You're very welcome along this Saturday evening. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until seven o'clock and we have got lots to get through. Busy, busy weekend of sport, lots of football, the boxing as well. Really, really looking forward to watching that Katie Taylor fight tonight. It's a big, big fight for Katie Taylor against Natasha Jonas and she's looking to keep her unbeaten record going. Katie Taylor has not been beaten in 17 fights she is unbeaten in 17 fights that is a phenomenal record from a phenomenal sports person Katie Taylor we'll hear from uh, Kevin Byrne from the Irish Sun he'll be here to chat to us a little bit later on about that fight and everything around it because there's a lot going on with Katie Taylor at the moment so more on that to come later on too we'll also have a look ahead to the uh, Champions Cup in the rugby and the second semi-final is on tomorrow Leinster versus La Rochelle La Rochelle of course Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle as they're known now you can't just say La Rochelle you have to say Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle drop against Leinster and we'll hear from Rory Best later on on that we're also going to be talking to Ronnie Whelan as I mentioned Ronnie hoping that Liverpool can get a win over Manchester United tomorrow I'm hoping United win and Ronnie's hoping Liverpool win but uh, Liverpool need to win if they're to keep their hopes of getting the top four alive so we'll hear from Ronnie later on in the show as well but first of all let's wrap up some of the day's action in the Premier League and elsewhere around the world of sport Manchester City well they could win the Premier League title tomorrow that's if Liverpool beat United. So if United don't win tomorrow, Man City will be champions. Uh, They won today. They had a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace and that result means they're 13 points clear at the top of the Premier League table. Goals from Torres and uh, Sergio Aguero as well. So Pep Guardiola's side beat Crystal Palace 2-0 in the early game of the day in the Premier League today. Ian Beach was watching that for us at Sellers Park. Manchester City might have already done enough to clinch their third Premier League title in four seasons. Pep Guardiola predictably made huge changes from the team that beat Paris Saint-Germain. Only three of Wednesday's starting line started against Crystal Palace Sergio Aguero scored an eye-catching goal but even that probably won't be enough to get him in the team on Tuesday Ferran Torres scored the second City now waiting for the Manchester United Liverpool result to possibly confirm them as champions Crystal Palace nil, Manchester City 2 So all eyes will be on Old Trafford for Man City fans tomorrow to see if Liverpool can cause a uh, them to win the title if they were to beat United tomorrow now Pep Guardiola he knows the job is pretty much done at this stage and he admits they can now start dreaming of a third title in four years wow huge victory and yeah just now we can say we have just one step so hopefully next next week in Chelsea we can, we can do it 
That was the first game of the day in the Premier League. Today, the second game was at three o'clock. It was at the Amex Stadium, Brighton up against Leeds and Brighton winners there 2-0. Richard Newman was at the Amex for us. Albion 2, Leeds United nil. A huge win for the home side. They go 10 points clear of the Premier League's relegation zone with four games to play ahead of Fulham playing Chelsea later. Fully deserved two. They threatened throughout and Leeds rarely troubled. Pascal Grice gave them the lead in the 14th minute with a penalty after Alioski fouled Danny Welbeck and then Welbeck doubled their lead late in the second half a brilliant individual goal bringing the ball down out of the air trapping it changing direction and firing low into the corner Stuart Dallas went closest for the visitors a rasping shot just over the bar in the second half but the six game run for them unbeaten is over surely Brighton are safe now it's finished Brighton 2 Leeds 0 yeah that should be Brighton safe in the Premier League that would put them 10 points clear of the relegation zone that win today one other game underway at the moment Chelsea up against Fulham big London derby there Chelsea in fourth spot in the Premier League Fulham looking like they're pretty much relegated at this stage and they definitely will be you'd imagine if the result stays as it is now because it's Chelsea 1 Fulham 0 Kai Havertz with the goal for Chelsea there giving them the lead 33 minutes on the clock at Stamford Bridge one other game later on this evening in the Premier League as well Everton who will still be holding out some aspirations of making the top four they take on Aston Villa at 8 o'clock at Goodison Park tonight couple of results from the Championship we won't give you all the championship results, but a couple that matter. Norwich had a big 4-1 win over Reading in the championship today. They were already promoted, but that win means they have won the championship title now after that 4-1 win over Reading at Carroll Road today. And then um, it's a battle between Brentford and Watford for second place. And Brentford enjoyed a 2-0 win over Watford, who were in second place. And they remain third, four points behind Watford. So there's only a few games left. But Brentford, with that win, giving themselves very much a fighting chance of getting the second automatic place and possibly qualifying uh, to go up to the Premier League next season. Now elsewhere in the world of sport this afternoon in rugby, Toulouse beat Bordeaux 21 points to 9 in their Heineken Champions Cup semi-final. That means they will contest the final at Twickenham later on this month and they will face the winners of Leinster and Ronan O'Gara's La Rochelle um, for the other last four clash uh, that, that's on tomorrow afternoon that game and uh, obviously now Bordeaux will be awaiting the winners of that match and in racing the final day of the Punchestown Racing Festival taking place today a great week's racing at Punchestown it was and the feature race today was the Grade 1 Ballymore Champion four-year-old hurdle it was won by the Noel Mead trained Jeff Kidder. Now we're going to go back to Premier League in just a little while and Ronnie Whelan will be joining us to chat about uh, that big Liverpool and Manchester United game uh, tomorrow afternoon and look ahead to all the other games over the weekend including the Everton and Villa game tonight but first we're going to stick with matters here at home and Cork City having a very very disappointing start really to the season so far in the first division six games in now Cork City got that opening day win against Cove Ramblers at Turner's Cross then followed four defeats in a row so going into last night's match with Bray Wanderers at the Carlisle Grounds in Bray Cork City were very much hopeful of putting an end to that losing streak and they did by picking up a point nil-nil the final score up in Bray Uh, City might have hoped for the three points but they will take a point from there and it stops the rot and gets them back uh, hopefully to you know, to a bit of a, a a better run and maybe a win next week now against Wexford as well. At full time in the Carlisle Grounds, Oshin Langan spoke to City boss Colin Healy at full time in break. Well, here at the Carlisle Grounds with Cork City manager Colin Healy. Colin, that is a point very well earned. No, it was. It, <coughs> I thought uh, defensively we were good. Um, we played against a good side tonight and um, I thought um, a good point was a, a good result at the end of the game. You kept your shape well. 
throughout the game is that something that you were particularly impressed with tonight is that something that you hadn't maybe done as well previous to tonight this season no it, it was just probably a different formation that we used tonight um, coming up here against Bray they got some very good players and I just thought if we kind of we were a bit more compact and um, we were um, we were hard to play through um, it was, I just thought it might give us a, uh, give us a better chance up here so it's um, we were we were good and we were, we were compact and we were hard to play through and you know listen it was um, probably a good point we got it into the end Ronan Hurley cleared the ball off the line with literally the last kick of the match how relieved were you and did yeah. that feel like a goal yeah no no listen yeah it probably was obviously the results haven't been going away in the last few weeks and that like but it, it was a great clearance but it probably just summed up a performance tonight you know I thought the lads battled hard and you know it's um it was a good all-round defensive performance tonight do you think this will give the lads confidence and you can kind of drive on from here use this as a starting point no, I say it as a starting point. I mean, the lads have done very, very well. It's just that we've given away silly goals in the last few games and we got punished. Um, you know, that could have easily went in there tonight as well. Like, you know, it could have, but it was a great clearance. But, you know, the lads have been fantastic since they come in. But it's just, it's just it is, we've been giving away silly goals and hopefully, um, with the point we got tonight, you know, we can take it into next week and hope that uh, we, can, we can go home better next week. Cork City boss Colin Healy happy with the point last night in Bray and as he said hoping to go one better next week City take on Wexford in Turner's Cross on Friday night now I'm joined by a man who started for Cork City last night up in Bray he played the match uh, Gordon Walker who signed for Cork City in the off season and um, it's a big move for him he formerly was at Cove UCC and so on as well and now he's at City and was playing last night against Bray and he joins me on the line Gordon how's it going? I'm good Colin how are things? Not too bad so a point on the road last night obviously you would have preferred the win up in Bray but it's a point and probably more importantly it's put a stop to the, the run of losses you were on before that yeah yeah of course um, obviously the run where it was four games where we were being um, acceptable it's not good enough for us as players especially at such a big club um, but I think the most important thing was getting a point on the road against Bray who I think at the end of the season we'll be up there competing as well and I just think we have to start taking points off these teams and you know in recent weeks we probably were a bit unlucky with some goals and I think last night maybe we got a bit of luck at times as well but even the performance last night I thought we defended quite well and when we attacked I think we did look a bit of a threat Um, so you know it's improvement again every week and so we'll be back into training Monday now and try and improve on that result again Um, but as you said I think the most important thing was um, just getting out of that rut of the four losses on the banks. Absolutely, and that point could end up being vital later on in the season. And as you say, Bray are a decent side. Uh, they were pushing very much themselves for promotion last year, and they're rated again, along with Cork City and a few other clubs, as, as one of the teams that it's kind of watch and uh, that will be aspiring for promotion as well this season. But um, if you look at it last night, you mentioned it was a bit of an improvement, Gordon. Certainly there was some nice attacking play by Cork City at times, as well as defensive play. But again couldn't get that goal and that's been a problem for City now really for a couple of seasons is banging in goals at the rate they need isn't it? Yeah of course look we have um, we have Jack Walsh up top and Kean Murphy and it kind of varies between a bit more and Derek Crowley and stuff like that and I think it's just like every other striker I just think once one goes in they'll all start to follow in but I think it's just getting that one over the line and you know I, I'm not worried I think it will come eventually um, hopefully sooner rather than later and no doubt I see these lads in training every day like they're really good players and I just think they just need that bit of luck on their side and you know defensively we got it last night and maybe not on the other end but I, I definitely I'd, I'd stick with us like it's, it'll definitely come definitely 
you were kind of haunted at the very end as Colin Healy mentioned after the game in, in his interview with Oshin Langan um, that ball cleared off the line I mean that w- that must have been a, a nervous moment for everyone uh, yeah of course when it, when it went past Mark there and you see Ronan jumping in at the end to clear it obviously uh, you know everyone's hearts in their mouths there but again I'll go back to the look that I think maybe our luck is changing but maybe in the last two three that one fly in and mm. work we're on our knees come the 90 minutes and but I think it kind of shows the hard graft everyone did again last night everyone was out there fighting for each other and you know covering them extra yards as well and you see Ronan coming back in there maybe it wouldn't have happened you know two three weeks ago maybe it would have went in and I you know I, I I still agree I I still think we needed that bit of luck last night I think we got it yeah. as well and I think with the hard work we put in throughout that 90 minutes it really was a hard graft from you know one to eleven on the pitch or one to thirteen whoever came on um, I think we deserve that bit of luck at the end. Absolutely, need a bit of luck at times. Um, looking at the table now, Gordon, and I mean, it's such a tight league, really, the first division. And I keep saying this every week because compared to when Cork City were in the Premier Division, there was always a few teams pulling away. In the first division, there's a lot of teams who will be hoping that they can get the playoffs and get promoted. Really there, there's probably seven or eight clubs out of the ten who would ask, who would have aspirations of at least making the playoffs and possibly getting up to the Premier Division next year. And we can see with results all over the league, um, teams are taking points off each other, like Athlone are top, and Cabin Sealy managed to get a result against them last night. Treaty got a draw up in Shelburne. So it's, it's a really, really tight league, isn't it? And I mean, that shows that even though Cork City haven't had the best of starts, there's room for improvement as you say and it can certainly kind of change very very quickly in this division oh yeah of course like I've, from experience I've played in it with Cove and you see with the five playoff spots really anything can happen and if you really do go on a run of games you really do climb up the table quite quickly I think maybe what's different this year to maybe previous years is that there's a lot more competitive competitive teams that can really challenge for the playoff spots and you know with hope to go up as well and have the quality to do so but I think with the five playoff spots right now, we're not really looking at the table at mm. the moment. You know, it's still early days, of course, but we're just trying to get points on the board and we're looking at ourselves more than anything. Um, you know, we're only thinking about the next game, really, uh, next Friday night. We're not thinking about two, three weeks down the line. We're just thinking about the next next game in hand, and that's Wexford next week, and, you know, three points there, and we'll start looking at the table then after we pick up a few wins and start climbing up the table. But I think right now it's probably too early to call anyone to say that this this team is going to be in it or this team is going to be in it because yeah. I think as you said I think everyone will will beat everyone or has the ability to beat everyone it's just that league is quite competitive and poor old Wexford are rooted at the bottom of the table so I mean you don't take any game for granted obviously Gordon we know that but I mean you will be hoping to uh, to get a win and kind of start a bit of a run then against Wexford next week won't you? Uh, yeah, like well, we we go into every game um, with the attitude that we're going to win the game. Um, so it'll be no different uh, an attitude, you know, whether Wexford were top of the league or bottom of the league um, going into Friday. We're we're still going to go in with the attitude that we're going to win the game and try and get more points on the board. And I think with the group we have, um, we we will hope to get that. And just finally, you came in in the off season to Cork City. I mean, it, it's a huge thing for any guy to sign for Cork City, especially a Cork lad. How are you finding things? Uh, I'm really enjoying it, yeah. Full-time football is probably something I've dreamt of for a long, long time. And I took time out of League of Ireland for a while um, just to go to UCC yeah. and focus on my studies. Um, but when the opportunity came around, when I spoke to Colin, you know, it, it took me about 10 seconds to decide like, you know, <laughs> uh, that this is where I want to be. Um, I've supported the club since since I can remember, I suppose, just heading to the cross and 
you know, it really does mean a lot for me. And, you know, I don't want this opportunity to pass me either at the same time. So I, whenever I get the chance or whenever I get the chance to put on the jersey in the stand 11, you know, I'm going to give them my all. Great stuff, Gordon. Hopefully you get the chance again on Friday night and hopefully it's a win for Cork City on Friday night. Gordon Walker from Cork City, thanks a million. Thanks very much, Colin. Yeah, that is Gordon Walker from City. Um, and City in action, as we said, next Friday night against Wexford at Turner's Cross. A 7.45 kickoff there. Approaching half-time now in the Premier League in the third game of the day. Chelsea against Fulham. London Derby. Uh, they're pretty much next-door neighbours almost down there, Chelsea and Fulham. And Chelsea are still 1-0 up there, 44 minutes on the clock. Kai Havertz goal after 10 minutes, giving Chelsea the lead there. And that will go a big way towards uh, securing the fourth spot for Chelsea. They'll go six points ahead of West Ham, but West Ham, do have a game in hand because they're not playing until Monday night this weekend now the later game this evening is Everton and Aston Villa that kicks off at 8 o'clock and I am joined by Ronnie Whelan at least I caught up with Ronnie Whelan earlier on today to uh, chat about all the weekend's Premier League games and I started off by asking him about tonight's Everton and Aston Villa game how he thinks it will go and Everton they're still there or thereabouts. They're not a million miles away. They're probably outsiders for the top four at this stage. There's Liverpool, there's West Ham, there's Chelsea, obviously. Could Everton still do it? Uh, I asked Ronnie if he thinks they would still have those aspirations, and Ronnie seems pretty confident that they do. They will definitely. The, the football club and the players within the football club and the manager, Ancelotti, will have aspirations to get into Europe and Champions League. Um, when you talk to a lot of the fans... They, they go, we've got no chance, we're no good. But they keep put, picking up results. Um, they're still in the hunt. They're in the hunt for me more than Liverpool are in the hunt. Um, so I, I, I see Everton winning that game and, and, and putting the pressure on the teams that are above them and they're, they're, they're trying to catch up. And the, the, the form is not magnificent, but they can pull off a result when they need to. And I think they'll get one this week. We'll get to Liverpool in a second when you're talking about when we're talking about um, the big game Man United and Liverpool. But I'm just interested and I want to pick you up there on what you said, Ronnie. You'd fancy Everton if you had to pick one of the two Merseyside clubs that might get fourth. Would you fancy Everton over Liverpool at the moment? At this at this stage, yeah. Um, I, I don't know where Liverpool are going. Um, for me, they've got a, a, a very, very good squad. This whole pandemic and thing. I know everyone's had it, but it seems to have affected Liverpool an awful lot more, especially at home. Liverpool don't go this long or have the longest run ever, which they got this season of losing at home. It, it, it's for me, it's beyond that squad of players that they've got, but it's happening. It's reality. It's there in front of your eyes. They're losing games. They're losing points. They're dropping points everywhere. I can't see them pulling back to get fourth. I would love. Love it if they do. Um, sound like Kevin Keegan there, and I love it. Um, I don't see, I, but I think Everton have got a better chance of getting there. Interesting. All right, we'll come to Liverpool, as I said, in a second. But there is one game before the Liverpool United game on Sunday. That's Newcastle against Arsenal. Now, Newcastle. Newcastle fans would have been quite worried a few weeks ago. They, were, they weren't they were doing too well. They were getting dragged into the relegation battle. If you look at the table now, Ronnie, they probably have secured their safety over the last couple of weeks. Mathematically, they could still get dragged in, but they look okay where they are. Arsenal, on the other hand, they're in 10th. They lost to Villarreal last night in the Champions League. During the, or in the, they lost during the week to, in the Europa League to um, Villarreal. And they don't have anything really to play for in the Premier League at the moment, Arsenal. So they'll be concentrating, you'd imagine, on trying to get to the final of the Europa League at this stage. So who would you fancy there, Newcastle-Arsenal? Um, Newcastle are a magnificent team, the best team in the Premiership. They should be winning every week. They only got a draw at Liverpool last week. Um, you know I'm joking, don't you? Newcastle um, <laughs> struggled all season. 
Um, they did get a point last week. They should have been Liverpool should have been out of sight, gone, finished. They didn't. Newcastle stuck at it and got a draw in the end. Could have won the game. Um, it's a it's a good game. It'll be a good game to watch. Newcastle at home. They would like to go and attack people. Steve Bruce, you just said it there. More or less kept them up now. So um, that's probably going to be a draw as well. A lot of draws this weekend. Um, then four thirty. The big game of the weekend, Sunday 4.30, the Super Sunday game, Manchester United versus Liverpool. Massive rivals, massive game. United are up in second. They're flying. They had a huge win midweek in the Europa League, 6-2 against Roma as well. And we spoke about Liverpool. Their season has been very, very hit or miss. When these two sides met, Ronnie, back in, I think it was around January time, United had just come off a great run and they were they were both top of the table. It was a top of the table clash. They were the top two United have kept up that level since then. Man City have taken off altogether and gone ahead of both of them. But Liverpool have gone the other way. Um, so it, it's it's interesting how, how Liverpool have kind of gone in the, in the opposite direction to United since then, isn't it? United got a bit of stick, didn't they, for the, how they played in that game. That they were defensive yeah. and they didn't want to go and attack Liverpool. They should be bigger than this. But, um, but they got a draw. It was pretty dour. Um, and I don't see the game on Sunday being much different um, these two teams, once they get together, it's always it's 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 a classic, you know. It's not a local derby because they're talk- well, it's only forty miles between them. But Liverpool, Everton, Man City, Man United—that's your derbies. But this has always been a big game, no matter where they've been in the league. This is one when, when even when I played, it was it was a fight. You didn't care. You wanted to win that game. This week, Chelsea or Liverpool, Man Man United had a great result, really, really good yeah. result. Now, that may go against them, um, but they have a squad of players that they will bring people in as well. Um, this is another one that's going to be a draw on my, on my list this week. I I don't see Liverpool going to Man United and winning it, but um, yeah, I see Man United. Man United for me are favourites, obviously, but um, I think yeah. Liverpool can snatch a draw there. Like, Liverpool would probably would probably need the win there really wouldn't they the draw would do United United would, United would take the draw there in second they're, they're too far behind City anyway and another point would probably kind of bring them closer to securing second at the end of the season but Liverpool they're in sixth four points off Chelsea I mean they, they need wins don't they yeah Liverpool need to win every game if they got any chance whatsoever this is the biggest game but then again we said Man United was the probably the only game where there was a doubt whether they could win it and then they go and draw against Newcastle so We've said this all season with Liverpool. They've got a group of games coming up and they can win them all and they maybe win two and draw three. So it's been a hit and miss season all season for Liverpool. Um, but they will go there wanting to win. But I, I, the way things are going, I don't see them winning, but I, I can see them getting a draw. Quarter past seven then on Sunday night in the Premier League. Spurs versus Sheffield United. Um, Sheffield United, long gone. They're going to be playing championship football next season. We know that. But Spurs, they've had an interesting few weeks, obviously beaten in the final of the Carabao Cup last week. And I mean, the big news with Spurs the pre- previous week was Jose Mourinho getting the sack. They put in Ryan Mason until the end of the season. He's 29 years of age. Uh, we kind of spoke about it briefly last week, Ronnie, but like it was a, it's a strange one, isn't it, putting a 29-year-old guy in charge of, of a squad of players like Spurs have. But I, I think it's it's a 29-year-old that's been put in there because they can't find the manager they want at this moment in time. So whether he wins every game or not, I don't think he'll be manager next season. Uh, they will, Tottenham, you would imagine, get a bigger name manager in. Um, I was thinking of putting all the charity bet money on Tottenham to win this week, but we need a bit more than that. We need to have some <laughs> But um, 
they, they were highly criticised for how they played in the in the League Cup final last week. The Carabao, um, they didn't play well, uh, but um, I don't see. I will go back to the manager. I don't see the manager staying, but I see them winning this weekend. All right, uh, just Monday then as well, Ronnie. Two games on Monday. West Brom and Wolves. West Brom, they're nine points off safety now. They brought in Big Sam earlier on in the season. Big Sam has kept so many teams in similar situations up over the years. I don't think he's got to do it with West Brom. I mean, they'd have to win every game and even that might not be enough for them. Uh, They're playing Wolves on Monday night. Who would you fancy there? Um, I mean, even a a couple of wins for West Brom probably even wouldn't be enough at this stage, would it? West Brom have gone for me. Um, It's too far behind, too many games. Um, too many permutations to have to go the right way for them. Um, but this is a local derby. When it becomes a local derby, you want to fight, you want to win it. Um, Wolves will not want to lose because they want to be finish as high in the table as they can. So here we go again. Another draw for me this weekend. It's going to be West Brom. Because it is a local derby, um, I, I don't know which way it will go. And then there's one more game. The late game, the 8 o'clock game on Monday night is Burnley against West Ham. Burnley have nothing to play for, really. West Ham, on the other hand, and they've had a magnificent season. Nothing you would expect from West Ham. They're in fifth. They're three points behind Chelsea. I think David Moyes and the players, they'd be very happy with fifth, but they'd be a lot happier to get into the Champions League places. I mean, they're pushing for it, and I think they would believe that they can get there with the squad of players they have and the way they've been playing, wouldn't they? Yeah, West Ham will believe they can do it. They've just sailed along haven't they just behind the top four but now it's coming to the nitty gritty they're going to have to win every game as well I believe to to, to go up but um, this game against Bournley we said Bournley didn't need to win any games Bournley were okay the mid table not a problem then they go to Wolves and win 3-0 great away win um, so Bournley are still fighting away and um, they'll want to win the game against West Ham but but um, this is all going in my my charity pot now. Yeah. And it's another draw for me, Bournley West Ham. I think Bournley, because of the, the, the Wolves result, will feel an awful lot better than they did a week or two before that. Um, it's, a, it's a hard game for West Ham. West Ham should win the game, but going to Bournley is a, is a funny place to go and, 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 and win games easily. So um, I think Bournley will be able to get something out of this. Well, we've had a lot of uh, draws mentioned, Ronnie, throughout the, uh, the fixtures there. We've a lot of big games, I and mean, we were talking about a lot of draws, uh, hard games to predict over the weekend. Yeah. Charity bet again this weekend. Uh, we're hoping to get a few quid. We want to raise money for charity before the end of the season. So what are we going to go for, Ronnie? There's a lot of draws there. Which ones are you going to go for? Well, the first one had to be Liverpool, well, Man United-Liverpool, yeah. because I, I, I don't know which way. I can't call it. Um, West Brom, Wolves, local derby. That, for me, local derbies usually pan out to be very close and, and, and draws. And then Burnley-West Ham. I think Burnley have lifted themselves after the result of last week against Wolves. Um, West Ham fighting for their lives to get into Champions League, but I think Burnley will spoil the day for them on, the, on this occasion. Um, so West Brom at home, Burnley and Man United-Liverpool. Three draws again, and that comes in about 37 to 1, I think I'm told. Yeah, 37 to 1, we can see it on the screen there. So uh, three draws, Man United, Liverpool, West Brom and Wolves, and Burnley and West Ham. Fingers crossed we can raise some money for charity this week, Ronnie. Listen, enjoy the weekend, enjoy the football, and we'll chat to you next week. Thanks, Colin. Speak to you next week. And our charity bet, thanks to sportnation.bet. Now, it is uh, halftime at Stamford Bridge in the 
ongoing game in the Premier League that London derby between Chelsea and Fulham and Chelsea still leading 1-0 there when we come back we are talking boxing Kevin Byrne from the Irish Sun their boxing correspondent will join me to look ahead we're going to look in depth at Katie Taylor and our big big fight tonight but before that we're previewing Cove Ramblers in action tonight against Galway United John Caulfield back on Lee side with Galway taking on Cove we'll preview that after the break The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm Cork's Red FM The Big Red Bench yeah, you're very welcome back to the show. It's Colm O'Sullivan with you until 7 o'clock. We're talking boxing very shortly. Big, big fight for Katie Taylor tonight. Cannot wait to watch Katie Taylor in action tonight. She is phenomenal and it is a big one for her this evening live on Pay-Per-View Sky Box Office if you want to check it out later on. First though, we're going down to Cove or at least we're talking about what's happening down in Cove tonight. 7pm kickoff for Cove Ramblers against Galway United. Galway United now of course managed by legendary Cork City manager John Caulfield, he's back on side, taking on Cove Ramblers this time and uh, it's a big, big game for both teams. Rory has been speaking to Cove boss Stuart Ashton and their striker Kieran Griffin as well ahead, in, ahead of this evening's match. Yeah, you know, obviously, as you said, we we want to take the home advantage. Um, you know, unfortunately, still still no fans in there, but hopefully, hopefully soon they'll be back in. So you know, sooner rather than later, to make it even more, you know, um, hostile. Let's say, for want of a better word, you know, make it more homely for us and hostile for the the west side. Um, so yeah, you know the. Our pitch is probably um, a bit smaller than other pitches, so we have to use that to our advantage. Um, and obviously, with Galway, we know that we're we're coming in for a um, a good game. Hopefully, you know, if we if we let them play, they will play. Um, but then again, we know um, that they can be uh, a tough a tough nut to crack as well. You know, they they play the occasion. Let's say, um, you know, and if it's a battle they'll battle, you know, and if they can play, they'll play. So we have to be on our game. You know, we've, we've, um, we've worked on those things, how we can hopefully break them down and stop them. So we'll, uh, again, like, I know it's a kind of a broken record, but in this league with the teams that we're up against, they are hard games and, you know, uh, everyone's battling them to obviously win the game. Uh, and sometimes it's just just one little moment. There've been a lot of games have been even, and then the bounce of a ball or the referee's uh, decision, so to speak, and you you end up a winner or a loser. Yeah, you know we we know John well enough, and um, you know he'll have his team well drilled. He'll have them up for the occasion as he always does, you know, and you know he'll he'll have his tactics set up for the day to play against us. So yeah, we're expecting a. Uh, Hopefully a good game and um, a bit of a tactical battle as well. Which way they go and which way we go, that, yeah. Kieran, um, how have you found the difference in standard between the Munster Senior League and the first division of the, the League of Ireland? Yeah, and physicality-wise, it's kind of on the same kind of level. But the pace of the game, the difference, like, is there's a big difference there between the pace of the game, right? You don't have as much time on the ball and people are chasing it down, closing it down a lot faster. Yeah, not at all. And Stuart, you must be delighted with how quickly Kieran has adapted to League of Ireland football. 
yeah delighted obviously um, he's one of a few that have come in and in fairness to them all they've all they've all adapted um, to the training obviously probably a bit bit harder for them they won't admit that like but they, they uh, it probably is and then when they've fallen into the games um, they've they've responded well and hopefully you know it's uh the, the first step on the ladder for them and that they can go and be you know be regulars in the League of Ireland for many years to come hopefully some of them further further afield yeah and for Kiron's kind of trajectory I suppose I mean like going from Springfield Ramblers to, to Cove Wanderers to Cove Ramblers that's 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 big for football uh, on the island as a whole I guess yeah, obviously delighted for him. Like, where he, you know he's come, he's a local lad in Cove, and you know he's he's brought up playing for the the Springfield. Then he's gone through the underage, and he's gone on to the um, he's gone to Wanderers. Then, and you know he's he's made his mark there, and now hopefully uh, he can make his mark with us. And Kieran, what was that? What was that moment like making your your Cove Ramblers debut in Turner's Cross uh, on the opening night of the season? Yeah. I, I just didn't have words for him. I still don't like. It was just it was an unbelievable feeling, like something I wasn't wasn't expecting really. To be honest with you, like. And as I mentioned to Stuart, like you going from Springfield to Wanderers, Ramblers is big. Did you feel that kind of moment, like you know, a big moment for you in co football? I suppose. Yeah, it was. You have to be fair, like going up and especially scoring against City then for it to make it better, like and sure I was nearly in tears after it happened. I mean, just from happiness, like. All right, lads. Thanks, man. Good luck on Saturday. He's so laid back here. He's nearly horizontal. Like <laughs> that's what you want from your striker. Yeah, exactly La- language, do I think? Yeah. Like this, I don't know how many times. <laughs> Thanks, boys. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> that is Rory chatting to Cove Ramblers boss Stuart Ashton and their striker Kieran Griffin ahead of this evening's clash with John Caulfield's Galway United kick off there uh, just over 20 minutes time at 7 o'clock but right now we are going to turn our attentions to boxing because it is a big big night tonight for Katie Taylor you're going to love Katie Taylor she is absolutely magnificent and she is a real Irish sporting great at this stage and a big fight for her tonight she's fighting Natasha and Jonas who she last fought at the 2012 Olympics in London they've actually fought twice before um, it's part of a big card of boxing tonight live on Sky Box Office on telly uh, the main event is Derek Chisora versus Joseph Parker and uh, Katie Taylor's fight is the co-main event against Natasha Jonas I'm just delighted to say I'm joined now to chat all about the fight and all about Katie Taylor in general by the wonderful boxing correspondent from the Irish Sun Kevin Byrne Kevin how's it going? Not a bother on yourself. Very good. As I said, it's a huge night for Katie Taylor. She's facing an old foe, I suppose, in the shape of Natasha Jonas. They met before. They met twice before they fought before. And uh, the last one is nine years ago in the Olympics. But this fight has been a long time in the making, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, this is this is fighting Natasha Jonas was one of the biggest nights of Katie Taylor's career. There's been some big nights, but the opening of the Olympics in 2012, something she'd battled and campaigned so long for, um, and to, to come up against the British fighter in the opener for a medal was just one of the most important nights of her career and probably one of the most memorable as well. Um, since Katie Taylor turned professional in 2016, Natasha Jonas was actually out of boxing and mm. commentating ringside at, at that fight in um, in London. And she was effectively tempted back into the ring by the, by the prospect of fighting Katie Taylor, watching how Taylor progressed in her career, the success she had, uh, the new kind of face of women's boxing, Natasha Jonas said, 
well, look, it's time for me to, to speed up here and get back in the ring. So this fight's been natural, a natural one to make. They're both underneath the same promoter in Eddie Hearn. And yeah, the writing was always, it was, we always got the sense that they'd one day clash. Um, a couple of little speed bumps in Natasha Jonas's career nearly de- derailed this one, but um, they go on out tonight. And we've seen Natasha Jonas kind of um, analysing Katie Taylor's previous fights, the likes of the Pursuit fight and the Gutierrez fight. She's been on Sky for a lot of those fights. And, I mean, she's there knowing that she's going to fight Katie Taylor. So she's she's analysing it from a media perspective, but she's taking it all in in preparation of what she needs to do herself, isn't she? Yeah, she's definitely watched. She's, you know, they obviously, like, they know each other from fighting each other back in the amateurs. But, yeah, like you say, Natasha Jonas has become... The kind of she's the darling of Sky, as is Katie Taylor, and she's she's seen every every slip, every weakness, every great performance that Taylor's put in. Uh, and, but you know the pressure's been on her then to go in and perform as well, and she's not always done it to the extent that Katie Taylor has. And um, you know she's lost she's lost against Vivian Obanoff, someone that Katie Taylor dealt with quite easily in her second fight. Um, she had a very good performance in her last fight, but didn't get the win against um, Terry Harper for the World Super Featherweight titles. So. All, all the while she's kind of looking from the outside and talking up her own chances of fighting Katie Taylor but at the same time there is a there is an element of you know everyone wants the opportunity to fight the best but are you good enough to, to beat the best? Probably not. Probably not and I mean Katie Taylor's record speaks for itself unbeaten in 17 fights um, that's incredible it's an unreal record Kevin and like do you think Natasha Jonas you say probably not will she threaten Katie Taylor tonight or do you think it'll be a handy one for Katie? Uh, I, like uh, you'd like to say it all depends on which Katie Taylor turns up, but we kind of know what what Katie Taylor turns up now. She doesn't get distracted by kind of lockdowns and COVID restrictions yeah. and anything. She doesn't let anything outside the ring distract her at all. She always shows up, you know, perfectly in shape with a hard camp behind her. Um, she doesn't seem to let outside events distract her at all. So I think we know which Katie Taylor is going to turn up. I think she's been in really good form since the con- controversial fight against... Um, Delphine pursuing mm. the first time in New York. You know, she she took the decision that time and took the undisputed kind of championship, but she got a lot of criticism for the first time in her career. I think she's upped her game a bit since then. She became a two-weight world champion against Leonard Datu. She beat Delphine Pursuing in a rematch far more convincingly. And she was very good last time against Gutierrez as well. And she kind of put a bit of punishment on her opponent and could have got a stoppage, something she hasn't actually got for two years at this stage. I think Jonas could be in for a long night. Uh, I think Katie Taylor is going to show up absolutely fully prepared, as will Jonas. You know, they'll both put on a positive performance, but I think Katie Taylor will have far too much for her and could even get her first stoppage in a couple of years. Yeah, Katie Taylor's been very active in the last year or so. I mean, the, the pursuing rematch, the Gutierrez fight, as you said. And I watched that Gutierrez fight the same as you, Kevin, and it was a, a good fight. Katie Taylor inflicted quite, quite, a, quite a, a, a battering on her, but... Reading then this morning that Katie Taylor says she wasn't too happy with herself and her performance in that fight. What do you make of her saying that? I hadn't seen I hadn't seen those comments, um, to be honest, but I wouldn't be surprised. You know, that's what you get with perfectionists. And people in boxing can be very um, can be very prickly of, of mm. criticism. So if, if an outsider tells them, oh, you actually, I know you won last night, but you weren't actually that good. You know, that, that a lot of offence tends to be taken by such criticism. But then again, they can be the most self-critical people as well. So, um, like a case in point would be maybe Michael Conlon last night. He mm. didn't perform at his, at his, at his optimum. Uh, and he'd be probably sensitive to criticism from the outside. But at the same time, he'll go back to the drawing board and he'll be his own biggest critic. Um, so Katie Taylor will be the same. 
So it'll be interesting to see if she can make improvements from the Gutierrez fight. I thought she was pretty good that night. She didn't really, she barely dropped around. She dominated her opponents. Really couldn't, could, the referee could have stopped it. And Katie, would have, Katie Taylor would have had her first stoppage in a couple of years. But, you know, there you go. There you go. Um, you mentioned that she hasn't had a stoppage in two years. And she's been talking about that herself this week as well. She said she's been liking watching the likes of Terence Crawford, Sugar Ray Leonard, um, saying that he was a stoppage expert and that she's kind of using these, these foot, this footage that she's watching as inspiration to possibly develop a more ruthless streak. Now, I would have thought Katie Taylor is pretty ruthless as it is. But maybe again, like you say, that's the perfectionist coming out in her, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And like you... you you look at a lot of young boxers, they need kind of those KOs. They need the, they need the highlight reel stuff to advance their careers, put themselves in bigger money fights. Taylor doesn't necessarily need that. She's got the four belts at lightweight. She's won at a second weight. She's a huge name. She's got a UK promoter in Sky Sports and she's got a, a US promoter in The Zone. She's, she's kind of there. She doesn't necessarily need to do it. So any, any kind of extra savagery that she puts on will just be for her own effective satisfaction. So it will be interesting to see if she's bringing a bit of that kind of Crawford, you know, Leonard nastiness because they, those guys, yeah. you know, what kind of nice guys outside the ring could be really nasty inside it. And yeah, I think we're in for a good night if Katie Taylor kind of brings that attitude to the fight, just throw down and really go for Jonas. Because uh, when they fought in the Olympics before, it was a really good fight and the two of them kind of went a bit toe-to-toe. Taylor wore her down and by the end of the fight, kind of Jonas was hanging on. But she gave as good as she got for, particularly for the first half of the battle. So I think we could be in for a pretty good fight here as long as it lasts. It, it, it could it could well go the distance, but I imagine Jonas, you know, what an opportunity for her. You know, she she hasn't boxed that lightweight really recently. Her last fight was a drawn effort for at a different weight category and suddenly now she's going for as the as Hearn likes to call it, like all the marbles at lightweight. So it's a huge opportunity and it's all there for her. But I just think Taylor will have far too much for her. You mentioned Eddie Hearn there a couple of times and he's the promoter for both of the fighters tonight. I mean, he's he's a huge influence in boxing and he seems to be a huge influence on Katie Taylor as well. I mean, they seem to be mad about each other. They they sing each other's praises all the time and they seem to have really developed a great relationship, haven't they? Yeah, uh, like, I mean, he he tried to sign her after the 2012 Olympics. You know, he probably would have been watching that and, you know, seeing he was just kind of starting off in his boxing promotion kind of game at the time, his, uh, the company established by his father. And he was kind of taking over. And he's probably looking at it thinking, I might sign one of the great GB women. But then he sees this Irish woman beating a GB woman in the first in the first fight, going on to win a gold medal. And he he made inquiries to sign her at the time. Didn't quite work out. Katie Taylor decided she wanted to stay and retain or try and, try and win back another gold medal in 2016. But then he obviously got her signature. And I remember speaking to him at the time and uh, early in the relationship. And he was saying that his daughter's favourite favourite boxer was not Anthony Joshua not any of the guys on his books but Katie Taylor so that's I think brilliant isn't it that's fantastic yeah yeah so I think there was there was a bit of a you know there's a bit of a family bond you know like Hearn is a great kind of showbiz guy he's a bit of a celebrity you know cheeky chappy yeah. and all that but at the end of the day he's, he's also a, a family man you know and Katie Taylor is a very family oriented person so I, I think they beyond all the bluster of him and Katie Taylor's kind of modest personality I think Beyond it all, they probably see eye to eye in terms of being, you know, family based and obsessed with boxing. And it seems to work very, very well for both of them. In fairness, um, Katie Taylor, how long can she keep going at this level, uh, Kevin? I mean, like, she's no signs of slowing down whatsoever. She's thirty four now. She's had over two hundred fights. She's got this amazing unbeaten run at the moment. How long can she keep going at this level? I, I don't think there's anything to any signs showing that she'll be slowing down anytime soon. Really, is there? 
Well, probably not. Like you know, she was she was more active in her in her early career. But you know, at this day, it's it's May the first, and this is her first fight of the year. You know, she's probably mm-hmm. gonna maybe only fight one more time this year, ideally two more times. You know, so she gets in three three fights. But she's getting so well paid. All her fights are such big events that she's kind of in that superstar status now, where she, you know the top the top dogs in boxing only fight kind of maybe once or twice a year at the minute. So she's kind of at that level. And when when fighters go like that. She does obviously stay in shape all year round, but they seem to have, like, longevity kind of creeps into it. If she was fighting three, four times a year, you'd be expecting one of these days she's going to run out of puff, but it's not, it doesn't really look like happening. I think in her, her pursuit rematch last year, she looked kind of like she'd moved on from, from the previous fights. She looks to be yeah. getting better at the minute. And how long, how long more she can make improvements for without kind of going over the hill and coming down the other side? You know, that's to be, that's to be, uh, that's to be seen because can happen to any boxer at, at any stage, especially from 34 on. But, you know, she she definitely looks like she has another two or three years left at the top level before, you know. Well, a lot of female boxers kind of excel until their 40s, you know, until their early 40s. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, if she excels till her early 40s, we'll get nearly another 10 years out of her, so fingers <laughs> crossed. Um, it's a great card tonight, actually, overall, Kevin. Um, Chris Eubank Jr. fighting. I'm looking at some of the ones here. Obviously, the main event, Chisora and Parker. Who would you fancy in the main event there? I think Parker's going to win that one. Um, Parker, obviously, is working with uh, Limerick boxer Andy Lee. You know, he's training him now. He's, you know, he's left his family behind in New Zealand, come on over to this side of the, side of the world, done some preparation in Ireland and in, in England. I don't think Chisora's kind of befitting at the top of a pay-per-view bill myself. He's lost most of his big fights, you know, at this stage. He's he's kind of been exposed by many different fighters over the years, like Tyson Fury beat him a couple of times, yeah. David Hay knocked him out. But then again, he does give the fans good value for money, and he is involved in kind of entertaining wars and scraps. And people just love heavyweights, don't they? But I, I think I think Parker needs to be really switched on, but I think he can win. Whether or not he stops them or not, I don't know. But I, I hope it's a good fight. Should be a good night of boxing. Sky Box Office is where we'll find it tonight if you want to get on there and watch it tonight at home. Uh, great night of boxing with Katie Taylor, the main interest for us. And Kevin, we're saying a Katie Taylor win all the way, so are we? I, I can't say you're losing this one, no. Um, but, you know, stranger things have happened. But I reckon Katie Taylor is a safe bet, if, if that's your kind of thing. Absolutely. All right, Kevin Byrne from the Irish Sun. Thanks a million, Kevin, for joining us. Cheers, lads. Thank you. Cheers, Colin. All right, and uh, just update you in the Premier League. Another goal for Chelsea. Looks like they have the victory now against Fulham. Uh, Kai Havertz getting his second goal of the evening there. It's Chelsea 2, Fulham nil in that match now. And there is 59 minutes on the clock. That will put Chelsea six points ahead of West Ham in fourth spot in the Premier League. West Ham with that game in hand on Monday night against Burnley. Now we turn our attentions to rugby briefly because um, it is a big day for Leinster and Ronan O'Gara and his La Rochelle team tomorrow. Um, they will face Bordeaux, who won their semi-final uh, today against Toulouse in the final. And the semi-final is on tomorrow. Rory Best has taken up a new coaching role with the Seattle Seawolves, and he says he took the role as it gives him a chance to kind of stay involved in rugby post-retirement. And he's been chatting about tomorrow's Leinster and La Rochelle game in the Champions Cup semi-final to Oshin Langan at the launch of the Specsavers Audiology PRSI campaign. I think when when the draw was happening, it was kind of from a, a neutral's point of view. It was kind of the one that everyone wanted to see. They wanted to see La Rochelle against Leinster. I think to make it a, a fair contest, the neutral wanted to see La Rochelle at home. As I think in Dublin, it'd be extremely difficult for La Rochelle to turn over Leinster. Um, in France, it, it levels the playing field a little bit more. And 
you know what? They're two very, very good teams. They're they're very different in in some regards, but they're also they're both very exciting teams. La Rochelle is a little bit more keep the ball alive, you know, play at all costs and play at a high tempo. Leinster have this ability to play at high tempo whenever they want to and then slow the game right down and, and make it a bit more attritional whenever it suits them. And they have so many smart rugby players that know how to win, know how to sort of dominate games like this. And they certainly, they will have the edge when it comes to the experience of semi-final rugby at any level. La Rochelle haven't played many semi-finals, but I think it's just going to be an absolute cracker of a game of rugby. Roger's experience is really important there, isn't it? Because as you say, La Rochelle haven't played too many semi-finals, but Ronan O'Gara has. He has, and he's also been involved in teams as a coach that have played and won semi-finals. They've won finals with both Racing and the Crusaders. So they are going to, it's, it's a really big week for him as a coach and, and probably as a person, you know, how does he man-manage um, some of these players through this? And I think La Rochelle have some fantastic players. They also have some temperamental players. Leinster will be looking to use that as a strength for them. La Rochelle have got to make sure, and probably more importantly, Rog has got to make sure that, that they don't become a weakness, that they actually stay a big strength for them. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's, it'll be a really interesting week for, for Ron Nogara and, and how he manages that. And, and probably a, a slightly different role because he is definitely the figurehead for this La Rochelle team. Whereas before with Racing and the Crusaders, he kind of, he was part of a very experienced coaching group and was able to kind of go about his business and maybe slightly lower key. Okay, so that is Rory Best there giving his views on the Leinster and La Rochelle game in the Champions Cup semi-final tomorrow. Um, the, the lads mentioning Ron Nogara there, Oshin Langan and Rory Best. Uh, Ron Nogara obviously with La Rochelle. So I reckon here in Munster, are we all cheering on La Rochelle lads? Are we, are we cheering on La Rochelle against Leinster? Yeah, I think we'll be, will we be French tomorrow for the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quad Raj Right uh, Before we finish up On the show We are going to uh, Return to football Briefly Because we were talking Earlier on In the show At the top of the show About Cork City Obviously Cork City Having a nil-nil draw um, Last night In the SSE Artricity League First Division With Bray Wanderers Up at the Carlisle Grounds And we heard from Colin Healy And Gordon Walker As well But Cork City Have lots of other teams At the club Besides the men's Senior team They obviously have All their underage And academy teams They have the women's team Who are an Action kicking off at 7 o'clock this evening and they have the Cork City FC amputee team and the Cork City FC amputee team has been around and in existence for about three years now and um, they're looking for players so they're they're looking for people to get involved and to compete and if you do you could possibly end up playing for Ireland too um, for the Irish amputee team and we've just been speaking to uh, or we are speaking now to Fergal Duffy from the Cork City FC amputee team he's the goalkeeper and he joins me now Fergal how's it going? Hi, Colm, how are you? Very good. Now, Fergal, you guys aren't back playing yet. You're hoping to get back training, get back playing as soon as possible. And uh, good news this week that that sport is coming back and sport is returning um, sooner, hopefully, rather than later. But you need players, don't you? You want you want a few extra players to kind of to bolster the squad and, and you want people to get involved. Yeah, we do really look. Um, we're always on the lookout for new players or new people that, that might be interested. Um it's a fairly uh, niche sport, I suppose. Look, um, in terms of myself, I suppose I I would have I would have been heavily involved with Jay and Stilam, and I I always knew that empathy 
soccer was there, but I never, I suppose, just gave, gave it a go. And um, I suppose the start of twenty, the start of twenty eighteen, I decided I'd start playing because the the team in Cork City was formed, and I haven't looked back really. It's been it's been one, one of the best decisions I've ever made. So um, yeah, like I'm I'm the goalkeeper for for missing a hand, you have to play in goal, or for missing a leg, you have to play outfield. Is that and how it works? Yeah, and, and you and you've just yeah. crutches. Very good, very good. Okay, so um, so you're 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 missing hand and you're in goal. Um, is 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 the Cork City amputee team quite unique? I mean, in terms of, I suppose, is football quite unique? Do other sports do this as well? Do they have amputee leagues, or, or is it just in football? Um, I'm not sure. Well, obviously, there's like wheelchair basketball and and all this, but mm. I suppose if you're if if you're if you're into soccer, this is this is probably the the the, the next best thing because it's. It's 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 still it's still soccer. It's still there's still two goals. There's still you know people fighting to try and score and, and beat each other. So still got that competitive edge, yeah. And if if someone does wants to get involved, if someone is listening now and they say, "Jesus, that sounds great. I'd love to get involved in that," or maybe someone knows someone who'd love to get involved mm-hmm. and would love to play for Cork City, um, it's a great opportunity to say you could play for Cork City. So how do they get involved, Fergal? Yeah, well, look, um, I actually help out with the Cork City Facebook myself anyway, so mm-hmm. if you want to send an email or even write a Facebook message to, to Cork City, or um, you can even hand out my own number there if you want. And um, even even if somebody just wants to come along, and when, when we do get back training, they if they want to just come along and even watch the first day, and then uh, go from there, we'd be, we'd be more than well, uh, happy to welcome anybody. Yeah, we won't give out your number on air, Fergal, just in case. But uh, what we will do is if anyone wants to message Cork City on Facebook, that's fine. Or they can message our Big Red Bench Twitter page as well. And if they do that, we can put them in touch with you. Um, now, you mentioned to me off air as well that that's, it's not just Cork City. There, there's international opportunities here as well, isn't there? Yeah, well, thankfully, as I said, the, the, the first year I started playing was 2018. And by the end of the year, there was a World Cup with the Irish team and I... Ends up in Mexico, which was which was an unbelievable experience. Um, this year, well, the Euros was supposed to be last year, yeah. but obviously, with everything that went on in the world, uh, the Euros is now this September in Poland. So, um, yeah, that's hopefully hopefully I'll uh, make the squad for that, and it's it's an unbelievable it's an unbelievable feeling to be to be re- representing your country and hearing the national anthem and, and putting on the putting on the, the Irish jersey. So, do the players for the Irish amputee team then come mainly from the Say the League of Ireland's amputee league, or is there a couple of other players from outside as well? Yeah, well, in in the, in the Irish league, there's three teams. There's ourselves, Cork City. Uh, there's Bohemians and Shamrock Rovers. Mm. Um, last year, no, all right, uh, there was a Scottish team was invited over to our league as well yeah. because the Scottish were were new. But um, yeah, all the players are from League of Ireland. There's one player. He's he's originally from Kerry. He's based in Newcastle, so he plays with us then as well. Great, well, that'd be exciting. That's in September, and hopefully, COVID fingers crossed, touch wood, will be a distant memory at that stage, and everyone will be vaccinated and on, and we can all we can all be back enjoying sports, playing them, and watching them, and so on. Listen, Fergal, thanks a million for chatting to us, and hopefully, uh, this will pay off, and you might get yourselves a few new players, and hopefully, you're back out playing on the pitch sooner rather than later as well. Yeah, perfect, Colin. Thanks, thanks a million for that. Virgil Duffy of the CCFC, Cork City FC amputee team there. Uh, that is us pretty much out of time. Uh, just update you on the Premier League, the ongoing game before we finish up. Chelsea still 2 up on Fulham, 67 minutes on the clock there now. And of course, Cove Ramblers kicking off in just a few minutes' time against Galway United down in St. Coleman's Park. Rory is here tomorrow night from 6. He will have a reaction to that Cove and Galway game, plus lots, lots more to chat about from 6pm uh, tomorrow evening here on the Big Red Bench. Stevie G, he's on the way next. Have yourself 
yourself a great Saturday evening. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM.